Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm here with my very special guest, Pete Taylor, all the way from the UK. He is a pro athlete and serial entrepreneur. Excited to have you on the program today, Pete. How are you? Thanks, Rick. I um, I'm I'm amazing. I feel great. Uh, it is 4 p.m. here in the UK, and uh, bags of energy ready to go. All right, super. Well, why don't you start us out before we jump into some re- things I want to talk to you about uh, growing businesses and leadership and and success and all that. I just want to hear and have the listeners hear some of your background. Do you want to give us some of your backstory on how you got to where you are today? Sure thing. Uh, I'll start. I start way back when I was about thirteen. I um, the entrepreneurial spirit kicked in really, really early, and uh, selling Pokemon cards and sweets in the playground was my thing. But my actual like business earning career didn't start to way into my late twenties. Uh, I started working early, seventeen year old in the corporate environment and climbed that ladder pretty quick. Promotion to promotion to promotion, doing very well in the corporate world, albeit. There was this like inner itch that that I was meant for a little bit more and that I knew that I could at some stage do this on my own. And that day came when we were running an eight million pound project over in London. I had over a hundred guys on site and it was me that was managing the project. It was me that won the project, I was managing the project. And I thought, hang on a minute, if I'm doing this for someone else, I can certainly do it for myself. Yeah. And so the the entrepreneurial journey started and we started a business and took it from our, our living room and grew that over six years. And in the end, but just before I left, we had a team of 19 people or 19 and a half. We had someone part-time. Um, we had a th- three-story building in London, uh, doing very well as a company. Uh, but in 2021, it was my time to to leave that business and and follow my like my real passion which was helping others and helping others grow not just in their business but but personally too okay well i've also read the pro athlete side you want to just share that real quick i'm intrigued on that side before we jump into some of the other material yeah and that that side plays a huge part in my entrepreneurial success in just the the learning of discipline um and and being able to be uh, resilient when times are tough emotionally and physically and still having to push through. So that was that was a, a, a bodybuilding career um, that started off um, purely th- through vanity, purely through wanting to look good. Um, and I and I got up on stage with 30 other guys and I didn't win. I, I placed sixth position in my first competition. And I got what I wanted. I looked good, but there was this inner desire now. Now that I'd got that feeling of being on stage and I was competing against other people, I had to win. And so the that that fitness journey went from a, an avid gym goer into a every day, twice a day, eating eating extremely strict. Um, lots and lots of sacrifice there over a, a, over a good two to three year period, and then competing in many a competitions until I started winning. 
um and then i got my i got my pro card i got my professional card and then and then the last competition i did was over in london uh, in the o2 arena there against all the other professionals where i placed on the podium and then i i gracefully hung up my shorts and then took that the kind of that discipline and that resilience that i i had to build during that period into the business world isn't that interesting that it are it really is a whole life experience and the things we learn in our vocations and avocations and hobbies and et cetera can be great learning points for our business career and vice versa, right? And uh, you've said it around the discipline side. So um, completely agree with you. So let's jump into business. And as you know, this podcast is about helping entrepreneurs scale their business. So what are your insights? I've seen you write about a three-step model to growing your business and increasing profits. Can you share a little bit about uh, that with us, Pete? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, like my my previous so my previous business was a bricks and mortar company. We are we're traditional. We ha- it was an architectural studio. We did interiors. We did in- we did construction. Uh, when we started, we were designing garden sheds. When we finished, we were designing multi 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 million pound developments. And during that process, like I really discovered my operational hat and my systems and procedures. Love it. Like um i just i got really ingrained into that i loved it like i thrived on staying up late and and learning how how our process worked and how i could how could build a system that would then make our company more effective Mm -hmm. and then in turn would give us more profit um so over the years i like I, i developed my own little system although i hadn't put a name to it i hadn't really like drawn anything out but when i left that company right when i'd done an exit there i started to accidentally coach other businesses it it was purely out of accident just by people asking for some help i thought well i better piece something together here so so i've got a bit of a method so what i created was uh, if you can imagine like a venn diagram which is like three circles put together three circles like overlaid over each other yep um and in each circle like i have a pillar so the so pillar number one is the business model itself, right? So this is this is us being able to have a scalable and result driven business model, and it's, this is absolutely a mistake that that I've seen over and over again. It's a mistake that I made is that I jumped into business, didn't really know what I was doing, and just kind of like I didn't have a model. I was just building and just working hard and and getting business and 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 just thinking about the next kind of project that we were going to do never really thinking about forming a result driven business model that would ultimately drive us to have more profit and there'll be a system around that so pillar number 1 is the business model itself and in each pillar i have these three accelerators so imagine the Venn diagram we've got the big, we've got the circles pillar number 1 We've got the model around the perimeter of that model. We've got three accelerators. So accelerator number one for the model is the traffic. So number one, where are we getting the traffic from? What's what's our system here to generate top of funnel traffic to get eyes on our business? So uh, we would I work with our clients and thinking about that and being strategic here. And what's the 80 20 for us to put our energy into? Then the next accelerator along is the funnel itself. So once it, once the eyeballs are on us, 
how are we then moving them through our our funnel, our, our system to then become a sale, right? Yeah, very good. Um, and then the third is is the actual offers itself, the actual the, the product, the the actual program, the offer, whatever that looks like. And and like again, this is this is something that I had to learn the hard way is that there was absolutely an art in creating an offer. And you can have an offer that looks like everything else on the market, or you can have an offer that a client or customer will look at that and say, that's a no-brainer. Like, I have to have that. I need Not only do I want it, I need it. And it's a no-brainer for me to go ahead and buy that. So I like that last point. Oh, I like all three points. But it just can you give us an example of a successful product offer, a compelling product offer? Is it offering a guarantee on it? Or is it just this new piece of tech that everyone wants to have or is it the combination of both or something else how do you develop that third accelerator so that it's um compelling versus just what everybody else is doing yeah absolutely first firstly like we need to ensure that the the offer that we're going to put into the market the market actually wants it so Mm -hmm. and and that there is actually a market for it Right, and that, and this, and this is another another thing that we look at within this like first business model. Like, is the market susceptible and going to want to pay for our offer? Mm-hmm. Right. So, a can we find the market super super easily, and can they find us? B does the market have the financial resources to pay us? That's a good one. Yeah. Right, and then C is the market declining or is it growing which is a massive one it's a massive one to think about if this is a long-term business for you like if it's not if this is going to be a year two down the line and it's a good good market to jump into then then great so be it if it's a long-term venture we really want to think about is the market growing or is it in a in a decline and maybe it's not such a good idea to stick with it so once we figured those those areas out, we can then look at the offer. And absolutely, risk reversal is is definitely a, like a key attribute in making things like a no brainer. Um, things like guarantees can absolutely help with risk reversal. So can things like, um, for an example, for like a business offering, is the if I was to say to you, Rick, hey, let's jump on a call for ninety minutes, and I will. Have help you create the money that is required for me to then coach you for the next year you'll be like well and and you're like well pete that sounds like a really great idea because i'm so essentially for you it's you're you're not out of pocket right because i'm going to help you create that so it just it starts to take the risk out of it and it becomes kind of like oh that does sound like a no-brainer so and with a like a crazy offer it's really, really knowing what your customer wants, yeah, and what and what the client wants, and the like. From experience, the best way to do this, and it's and it's blinking obvious, is to interview customers that aren't yet your customer. Because I find that if you interview your current clients or your current customers, they can be a little bit. Well, they might have already tried your product, so they might have already got a result. So then maybe that their, their like desire or their pain has already been solved. So their mind is a little bit skewed. Whereas if you interview people that aren't your current clients, current customers, and ask them questions around really what do, what are they looking for, what keeps them up at night, um, 
like how would they like to get to their desired situation you can really start to understand what they want and then form an offer around that yeah that's the, I, I love your term you mentioned earlier around risk reversal like is particularly in the online world they you know there's so much noise so many competitors so many people with a voice and how do you de-risk that decision for your customer by doing some of the things you you talked about you know whether that be a guarantee or whether that be a you know a free trial or whether that be a free call to get set up uh, on how you might pay for the for the support like you mentioned um really like that idea okay so I've got the business model. I've got my diagram here. I've got my three accelerators. Do you want to go on to point two and three in the in the Venn diagram? Yeah, yeah. Point number so point number two is the plan. So this is the, and the plan like must it's like a strategic plan that a is executionable. So you can actually execute on it. Yeah. And b it's achievable. And, and listen, I'm a massive fan of setting like impossible goals, like big, big, audacious goals. I'm a huge, huge fan of doing that. But I am also a fan of setting things and and like goals that are achievable, that aren't so far fetched that it that it can overwhelm a team and think, how the frick are we going to do that? We haven't got the vision our leader has. We don't know what we're going to do here it's it's so big the goals that they're setting so like having like achievable milestones like i feel are really important so that's the plan part and then again we have three accelerators so accelerator number one and i'm sure you're sure you've heard of this before it's okrs so um which is the it was it was coined by by john doe um and it's and it's a way to set objectives so okr stands for objectives and key results and it's a it's it's a it's a goal setting method fantastic book called measure what matters um and it outlines how you how you kind of can go through that method so first things first is i'll get okrs into the business second accelerator is kpis so key performance indicators Um, and, and these are KPIs, not just for the business, but for the team, right? So it, so that, so it goes down into the, we've got the business KPIs, then we go to the team's KPIs and then we go for the individual KPIs. Um, so it's a big thing. And then the third one is the, is I call this the cadence, uh, or, or cadence. Okay. This is the, the sequence, like the sequence of events that we'll be running throughout the next month, quarter and the year. And the, the sequence can look like um, weekly meetings or monthly meetings and, and and so forth. So let's instill that into a business. And then yeah. there, once we've done that, we've got our we've got a solid plan. We've got a solid structure of how that plan is going to be uh, achieved. And then we've got a cadence of of meetings and and reviews and so forth to then ensure that we're going to actually hit the goals. Mm, I love that. Uh, this is. Um... You're speaking my language for the last 35 years on the OKRs, KPIs. <laughs> uh, the third point, by the way, with my clients, I call business rhythm or operating rhythm. What's that key yeah. to your point that you're going to use those KPIs? It's one thing to have your OKRs and your KPIs, but if they're only on the computer and never used for what I call bottom-up accountability and review, then you're losing half the power of that. So uh, yeah, that cadence part is super important. 
Um, and I find so many businesses, I don't know if it's because they're too busy or whatnot. They might set their big, hairy, audacious goals. They might have a few KPIs. Uh, they might even have a CRM to track some of it, particularly on the sales side. And then it's not actually used in business conversation and business accountability. So uh, I love that you have all three points there. Um, well done, Pete. Okay, you want to move on to uh, point number three? Yeah, point number three is a team. This yeah. is arguably the most important, especially as the business starts to scale up, especially as we're going well. It, it, like, once we're going well into like seven figures, multi seven figures, and we're looking to get to eight, like the team is really going to drive that. And like any size business, the team is important, um, especially when you get a bit bigger. And for me, like just underneath team, it's about having a high performing team mm-hmm. of rocks and a players so the rocks being the guys and the girls that are just solid at what they do you can you you can give them something and and you know you don't have to follow this up they're they're going to complete it you can rely on them um they're not necessarily like chasing the next promotion or check or chasing your seat as as a ceo um they're happy with their nine to five and that and but they but they're very very reliable right um, and then the second part of that is the A players. These the, the guys and the girls that are that are chasing for the promotions, that are coming up with the big ideas, that are like the superstars um, in your team, and uh, every team needs them to to really really grow. So that's like the team pillar. And then again, we've got our three accelerators. Accelerator number one is uh, um, LMA, which stands for Leadership Management and Accountability. Okay. Um, accelerator number two is MVV, your mission, your vision, and your values. And then our third accelerator is scorecards. So scorecards, we have a scorecard for the company and we have scorecards for all the individuals in the team. So that's, that encompasses their, their KPIs, but it also encompasses their um, their, their actual roles and responsibilities like really really clearly so everyone is very very aligned with what they're doing and there's no like ambiguity around oh i thought so and so's role was to do that not me yeah yeah this this makes a lot of sense pete this idea uh, uh have you seen Vern harnish's book on scaling up uh basically yes. and his whole premise the whole book is about if you really want to scale it's not about working harder it's about working smarter and how you do that is to build systematic processes in place to scale. Not So it's not just about grinding and working more hours so that you can get to seven figures and beyond. It's about building processes, elegant processes, if you will, to help you scale so that people can follow um, the lead. And you, know, you don't have to have, to one of your earlier points, a ton of A players or all high performers uh, if you build elegant processes, it's it's actually easier to lead, right? You don't have to be mm. the magnificent leader with all the characteristics that every book talks about. With good, elegant processes, it helps you scale and helps you become a better leader and manager. And so, yeah, I love what you're talking about here. Any other final wrap-up comments on the model? No, that's a, so that's that's my model, right? And then, right, so if you've like drawn that Venn diagram, sort of a circle on the top, or two circles on the top, and one on the bottom, or two on the bottom, it like in the middle there, it would have formed a couple of 
a couple of little shapes and 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 that's uh, and in those little shapes they should have four one in the middle and then three on the outside and that and they are really where i'll then input the client's actual like goals for the business and their personal goals and typically like there's two types of clients that like i work with there's the clients that want like the lifestyle business like this is the like um mid six figures or 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 low seven figures a small team of 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 between one and ten people um they've got they've got time freedom they've got flexibility they can they can take a month holiday and the business isn't going to implode they're not going to necessarily sell the business for life-changing amounts of money but they will make great money and they will have loads and loads of fun doing it so like a lifestyle business's goals will be slightly different from a performance-based business which is the which is the guys and the girls that want to build legacy and they want to scale it's scale 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 it's grow 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 um so like but depending on the, the 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 type of client we'll then like input their personal goals into them into the middle parts there oh very good yeah and if we could move on to a couple other topics that i've seen you write and talk about that i'm intrigued to get your insights on uh you talk about what is the number one characteristic for success so there's a whole bunch of things you just laid on us in the model but at the end of the day in your experience what is the number one characteristic for success for entrepreneurs or individuals in general i used to call this resilience okay um i used to term it as resilience and actually only up until recently i changed that um to anti-fragility oh yeah i've seen that book yeah 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 and that and when i read and when i like started reading about this concept of anti-fragility i'm like yeah that's that's uh, that's way more powerful than resilience because it includes resilience within that so there's so anti-fragility is so resilience is like you can get knocked up you get back down like you get down you get up you get down you get up you're just very resilient and, and you go into pain and you go into problems and, and it might hurt but you get back up again and you continue and you fucking keep going and that's resilience and and i love that and i've embodied that for for a long long time um anti-fragility on the other hand is embodying resilience but it's it's bringing it on it's so it's want it's wanting the the uncomfortable it's wanting the pain and every time you step into that uncomfort you grow yeah like and and like you become better yeah so um there's actually I'm trying to remember it now. There's a there's a Greek like mythology uh story. I think that it's like the the monster's name is Hydra. Hydra or Hydra, I think. It's it's a big Greek like mythical creature that's got loads of heads. And every time like a head gets chopped off, another two heads grow and they get even more ferocious. <laughs> Right, and I th- that's that's I think that's a, like a great analogy for it, and that is anti-fragility. Like every time your head gets chopped off when you go through pain or discomfort, that you grow back even stronger. You got to, you got a double head and even more ferocious. Yeah, isn't that? Um, tr- it's so true. But yet, Pete, sometimes, well, a lot of times we uh, we build our life or fences around our life so that we don't un- experience that uncomfortable. Because along with that could come stress and anxiety and all those things. But yet we know as we go through the other end of that, it's helped us become better and grow um, Absolutely. if we have that mindset. But yet many of us as humans try to avoid it and even build fences and, and rules and 
so that we don't feel that kind of pain or uncomfortable again. But what you're saying is a true principle. On the other side of that, if we have this mindset, it can actually make us better, stronger, faster. Right? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like, and that's that's our lizard brain. We're going to keep us safe. Yeah. Let's yeah. keep us safe and warm and comfortable, and not seek pain and seek discomfort. But ultimately, and 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 I know this, and it pains me to say, but every time I step into the into the unknown and into the oh my god, I've got to have this really fucking hard conversation. I don't want to have it, but I know I've got to have it. The out the the other side of that is is growth. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's other books on the topic. Angela Duckworth on, on Duckworth on grit, and uh, but you're right that anti fragility one is it's almost like you know embracing it and going for it because you know there's growth there rather than just surviving it, you know, which yeah. that's more about resilience and grit. But yeah, I love all those concepts. Well done. Uh, well said. Um, what about um, the statement that I've seen you write about? The more successful you are. The more problems you have, can you make a, a comment about that? Yeah, sure. I think like when I was in, in my younger days, um, you dream about having all these millions and and all these fast cars and and sitting on the beach and drinking a pina colada and it being all very easy and I could just sit back and relax. And And I think two things. Number one, that's actually not what I really wanted because sitting back and relaxing, I find very, very difficult. Um, I like to relax every so often have, have times of, of yeah. relax and solitude, but, but actually like I love building businesses and I love coaching and I love helping and, and I love to build. So that's true. That wasn't, that was never the right route. But the second thing is, is that the, nothing is ever really easy. There's nothing that like you choose your hard, right so you can you can choose your heart and not go after the big things and or you you go after the big and there's pain along the way and i like absolutely what i discovered was that the more success i had the actual more like responsibility i had um as as like i became more successful and like my teams were growing albeit i i i had managers i, I ultimately the buck always fell and stopped at me yeah. um and and the stakes were higher like the the bigger our company got like the the stakes what we were dealing with bigger project wasn't like a ten thousand pound twenty thousand pound projects anymore they were they were 200 and 300 and 400 pounds like design fees that were going to us and like there's so and if there's a slip up or a mess up or someone doesn't pay um it, it like the stakes are so much higher Right. So that was that was definitely like a big, big learning curve there. And just like and as much as I wanted to keep simplicity in business, and I am a huge, huge advocate of keeping things as simple as possible, it was inevitable as our as our business grew that complexity came with that. Not just with our systems and procedures that had to evolve, but also the 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 talent and the personnel that we're bring into into the company. Um like it got it gets complex um so success does come with an abundance of problems yeah and um but to your earlier points you can build processes and systems around to try to mitigate some of that but yeah oh. there's there's growing pains all along as you move right the bigger your business get the more people involved 
the more you need to, you know, relook at your systems and processes. And 20 earlier points, yeah, I ran a consult 230 person consulting company and retired at 58, uh, you know, four years ago and thought, oh, this is amazing. And a year later thinking, you know, I, I still want more of that. Like <laughs> I, it was, uh, you know, I'm, my golf game's not that good. And being on the beach all the time is, is okay. You know, some of the time is okay, but not all. So we, we do strive for challenge and opportunity and we need these growth experience in our human journey. And, but like you say, sometimes it can become, you know, new problems arriving. And as long as you look at it strategically and go back to your model and say, okay, how can I tweak the model here to help work through this growing pain? I think you can uh, uh, manage through those things, but your principles are true. We need and like challenge and growth. And number two, the bigger you get, the more complex it gets. Uh, and you need to relook at your model and see how you can simplify and uh, but it will always be there at every growth level. As you add 10 more people, there's another challenge. Or if you add a million dollars to your business, there's another challenge. And and that's kind of the fun of it too, isn't it, Pete? Any any other comments on that? It, it, yeah, I've got one comment on that. And and I've I've absolutely noticed this with the clients that I've seen that have done really well. Is their mindset is that of growth like they that is like it's not a static mindset it's a growth mindset and they understand that with growth comes does come problems and the mindset is bring it on fucking yeah. bring, bring it on like i like i know this is coming and i and i relish the challenges and that's you know i love it when 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 my clients have that attitude because it's like oh this is inspiring to me i'm like great you guys are helping me step up with that attitude of let's just bring on the challenges rather than oh i'm trying to avoid it i never you know I, i'm trying to do everything in my pocket hey it's going to happen at next the next level of growth or development and so i'm excited to figure out how to solve that that's a way healthier mindset great point yeah. okay so pete taylor where do people find you if they want more insights or your help have you got websites or emails or where do you want people to uh find you yeah, the best place is my Instagram. It's P underscore Taylor. Super easy to find me. I'm very active on there. I talk about health, talk about my fitness, I talk about business, talk about systems. So P underscore Taylor on Instagram or PeteTaylor.co.uk. Awesome. Uh, Pete, really appreciate the time today. Uh, fantastic messages. And this is right on our point of helping entrepreneurs scale. So um, I really uh, appreciate your time today and all the best. My pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Cheers.